0: This is The God Show, a conversation about the human spirit with your host, Pat McMahon. Well, as a matter of fact, it's John Patrick Marker McMahon, or in Gaelic, I found out when I was visiting Ireland, it's pronounced and spelled Padraig Macamahuna. I'm (laughs) I'm so glad that my folks decided... Uh, that we didn't necessarily have to go to the old country for the pronunciation of my name in Gaelic. (laughs) The giggle that you hear in the background is appreciated by the host, but you should probably know who this person is, our guest, another Irish person. And during this time of St. Patrick's Day, it seemed only right that we bring to you the host and... Author and founder of the family that said to one another over years and years and years, "Keep at it, Riley," and that's the name <laughs> of the book by Noreen Madden McKinnis. Welcome to the God Show, Noreen, and please tell the audience the origin of "Keep at It, Riley."
1: Well, Pat, thank you so much for inviting me to join the God Show. It's just a delight to be with you, uh, especially um, just around the time of the Feast of Darlin St. Patrick. But, you know, keep at it, Riley, <clears throat> was uh, a motto of my father's, and um, and that he would say it to me when things were tough for me, and he said it to my children, and I said, Dad, what's up with the keep at it, Riley? And he said, well, when he was young, he and his sister would be sent upstairs to their rooms to do their homework, and and, um, and just a thin wall separated the two of them, and my grandfather would, at the before bedtime, he'd walk into my aunt's room and said, how the study's going, and she'd say, well, I have some more to do. And he'd say, oh, not to worry. Turn off the lights, say your prayers, and go to bed. Tomorrow's another day. My grandfather would walk into my father's room and say, how's it going? And my father, expecting the same compassion, says, well, I have a bit more to do. And my grandfather would turn around, head out the door, and spout over his shoulder, well, keep at it, Riley. It just annoyed my father to no end. But you know what? Was your it seems as your curse becomes your blessing? Because my father learned his lesson well to just turn it over, give it to God. Don't give up, and that was a, a strength that, that kept him going for many many scrapes throughout his life. I tried really hard, Pat, to figure out what what was there more to it before before my grandfather, and I I traced the family. History and I, I couldn't find anybody named Riley, but um, I did find that my my Madden ancestors went through the Great Hunger in Ireland. They're, they were in the famine and they left Ireland and took over to America. So they 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 called them the Coffin Ships because so many of them died along the way. Mm-hmm. And when they finally got to america they they ended up in uh, northeastern pennsylvania where they were coal miners and that was a difficult life down in the mines dangerous and but they um they they persisted and they were a very religious group and they just they all stayed close to the lord in prayer and never gave up and they gave it to god and god saw them through so they didn't maybe I don't know if they said it keep at it Riley but they certainly lived it and they certainly passed it on down to my father and and to me
0: well Noreen in the book you really do allow readers like me to not just know your family members your father Frank your mom Joan and the siblings and the neighbors the doctor down the street at, at Mountaintop, Pennsylvania, the glamour capital of the East Coast. <laughs> Mountaintop, Pennsylvania, not far from Wilkesboro. And that's where you grew up. Well, this is the time of St. Patrick's Day. And you've introduced us to this extraordinary family through their lives and through their passings. And uh, it's. It's a great story as so many of the people who have recognized the quality of the book and have written testimonials on its behalf, <clears throat> so many of them said, get ready to cry and get ready to laugh because both of those emotions are abundant. in keep at it Riley." But with this time of year, St. <clears throat> Patrick's Day And when everybody, it seems, everywhere is Irish. Tell (laughs) our listeners on The God Show who know nothing about the culture. There are some people who just simply have no idea because they've never grown up around Irish people. They've never been around a uh, a predominantly Irish uh, church. What's it like to be raised as you were in an Irish Catholic family.
1: Oh, my gosh. It's such a blessing, you know. uh, Some of the things were maybe, you know, uh, not spoken as much as just, you know, modeled. But I I, I will tell you that, um, and I'm not not trying to say that you have to be Irish to get to heaven. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) but, but, But Pat, did you know that God is Irish? Did you know? Oh no, tell me that. Tell me, how do you know (laughs) that? Well, I actually have proof of it, because just the other day, Jesus was sitting across the table from God the Father, and he he says, where have you been? I haven't seen you for two years. God the Father leans over and says, well, I've been in Ireland. Jesus looks astonished. He says, we have a pandemic. We have all these problems going on. What are you doing in Ireland? Oh, God, the Father pats Jesus on the hand. and says, working from home, son, working from home.
0: <laughs> See, now, there is a perfect example, though, of the kind of thing that is an essential part of communicating with an Irish person, a man, a woman, often kids. Uh, if you're in Ireland, you could be going to a funeral with the solemnity of that kind of ritual, and the mortician would start probably doing stand-up comedy material somewhere <laughs> along the line. It is just an essential part of, mm-hmm. uh, of the whole business. But an Irish Catholic family, uh, there's a... There's a bond, it seems, f- uh, with Irish Catholic families in Ireland, Irish Catholic families in New Jersey, in mountaintop mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, or in San Diego. Don't you think that you found that no matter how different the background might be, there's there's a real sameness somewhere along the line?
1: There is. There, it just runs deep within us, and I think that's um, that's why those... That are um we see it in, in each other, not with our eyes, but with our hearts. And I I uh, and Pat, you know the the there's a Irish symbol called the clodda. The clotta is you yes. see it on, on rings quite often in and, and it's um, a large heart held in two hands with a crown on the heart. And the the heart is a symbol of love, hands are a symbol of friendship, and the crown is loyalty and And that's a we have that bond that we that we have love loyalty and friendship with with our within our kindred spirits and not just that, but to the lord, the lord we have that's our deep faith that runs within us that we have that connection with God and God with us, and love loyalty and friendship and you know, yeah, and we love dark humor too, dark humor is upon you. <laughs> <laughs> to, to laugh in the face of things that are sad. And I'll tell you, um, um, my mother died suddenly in a car accident on her way to visit my father in the hospital. And as tragic and, and devastating as it was, we just felt comforted knowing that the angels had come to take her to heaven she was called home to God because she lived that way all her life. She said, Noreen, I want to go to church on Sunday and be buried by Saturday. I didn't quite get it until all that happened. And um, I raced to my father's side in the hospital to be with him and comfort him. And I said, Dad, you know Mom went to heaven. And he just looked at me and said, well... If she didn't go, none of us can get there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And when you're talking about something, when you're talking about something as deeply sad and moving for a family, the loss of a mom, and yet while you were responsible for so many of the things leading up to uh, the wake Mm -hmm. and the burial. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things that I have to tell you caused me to laugh out loud, just sitting reading the book, was your quest for her underthings. <laughs> tell everybody where you went. Your, oh your mom was an elderly woman. She died <laughs> suddenly in an automobile accident, it was a horrible tragedy. And where did you go? To pick out the things <laughs> that nobody was going to see anyway.
1: Well, I have to tell you, my mother's nickname was Mrs. Hollywood. <laughs> she just always dressed so well; everything was accessorized, perfect to the T, and and so um, and she had been working so hard as my father's caregiver. For a long time, and you know, as usual, everything on the outside looked good, the clothes looked good, but underneath it was unraveling and When I went to find clothes for my mother to send to the the funeral parlor, everything that looked good until I got to the undergarments, they were literally unraveling, and I just thought, I can't do that to Mrs. Hollywood." She needs, she's the bride of Christ. I need to dress her like that. So, and I honestly, Pat, I'm not a shopper. I'd rather stick needles in my eyes and go clothes shopping. (laughs) But my mother was so good at it. I thought, you know what? I can do it for my mother. And where did you go?
0: Where did you wind up going, Noreen?
1: Well, it was obvious where you should go to get very good undergarments. I went to Victoria's Secret. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Jesus, Jesus Victoria. would have wanted it that way. I went
1: to Victoria's Secret. I walk in and I thought, "Okay, I got this. I got this." I walk in and then all of a sudden the clerk says to me, she goes, "Can I help you?" I'm like, "Mm." mm. And then she says, "What size are you looking for?"
0: Oh. <laughs> like,
1: do I, do I make something up? Oh. I have no idea. Does it matter? I don't know. I'm like, oh, no. I have to start praying here real quick because I didn't know what to say. I thought I could just put that on that poor young girl to say, I need something from my mother's corpse. No, I couldn't tell her that. But <laughs> But I did end up with something very lovely and fitting of the bride of Christ. And I,
0: I I think that Victoria's Secret eventually wound up having some serious financial difficulties, probably all as a result of the report that that one clerk gave at the end of the year. <laughs> <clears throat> the importance of so many things, though. The importance of the wake, the importance of of rituals throughout your life, the sacraments of the church. In fact, Noreen... Uh, Madden McInnes, throughout the book, keep at it, Riley, uh, it's clear as you close each chapter with a prayer, particularly the traditional things that I was very familiar with, the importance of the religion, the importance of the church, it goes almost beyond everything else in an Irish family, doesn't it?
1: it does it's what carries us through, and um you know the the rituals are just um what what are, is our go to you know it was a big part of our upbringing to you know to to go to funerals and and even my grandmother each of even, each of her grandchildren would take turns taking nana to a funeral it was just part of our lives. it's just going to funerals to be there to accompany others because it's in in those ritual sacraments that Jesus reaches out to comforts each of us in that time of need you know and there, and the anointing of the sick as it's Jesus coming and and being with Peter's mother-in-law it's being with Jairus's daughter these are familiar stories in the scripture but it, the catholic church continues that action of jesus today through the sacraments through the anointing of the sick and bringing holy communion to the to the homebound to the sick that's that's the, the good samaritan ministering on the side of the road it's jesus reaching out to the leper that's been ostracized by the community and that's how we're we're connected Back to God and comforted, and 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 that our community reaches out with that as well. We connect with each other. We accompany each other. Mm-hmm.
0: Would you consider yourself a, a part of an old-fashioned Catholic family? Because there are people right now who are saying, "Boy, I've had a lot of Catholic neighbors in my time, and I've gone to school uh, with a lot of uh, Roman Catholics." And and none of them sounded quite as devoted as your guest, Pat, Noreen Madden McInnes, the author of Keep At It Riley. Do you think that there's been major changes that have taken place over these last couple of generations?
1: Yes, I I think unfortunately um Some some have drifted from you know uh, attending church the way maybe the previous generations have, but this is where it's important for the older generation and the old fashioned old fashioned Irish Catholic to to to, um, to persist in celebrating these sacraments, especially the those that are aging now that that if they request the that the priests come over to anoint them and, and invite the children and the grandchildren around the bed to, to be there for that anointing. They're witnessing their faith and hope in the resurrection of the Lord. And I think when, when they go through that themselves, they will want to, to um, repeat that ritual. They'll, they'll want to call for the priest to come to the house too. So it's important for us old fashioned people to to keep strong and witnessing our faith and and doing it and i i want to say another thing is funny because you know i don't know that my parents and my grandparents talked about it a lot but they did it they lived it this is it we just they we accompanied each other in you know in dropping everything when there's a funeral arranged for someone and that's what we did we just stood in solidarity and prayer and accompaniment with each other and this is not just
0: a, this is not just a faithful Catholic talking to our audience on the God show. This isn't just somebody who was active in the faith and who had a mother that was a, an attendee at Daily Mass. Noreen Madden mcinnes has graduate degrees in elements of Catholic teaching, theology. Uh, and you've been a student of Catholicism virtually since you uh, attended higher education. And in your case, of course, uh, that also was a pursuit of tradition because you went to Notre Dame.
1: <laughs> and I mean, Notre Dame is. Yeah, it was a privilege and an honor and, and just uh, one of the m- biggest blessings in my life to be able to, to uh, go to Notre Dame to study. I was just uh, so grateful for that opportunity.
0: And everybody feels very, very, uh, I say everybody, the, the people uh, who have fond memories of, uh, of, their, uh, of their education after high school, wherever they went uh you you still have that kind of uh of fond memory for the most part and people have uh, the school colors around the house and uh mm. and maybe they're fortunate enough to be able to attend uh, the ball games but still i think almost everybody will acknowledge i don't care whether it's harvard and yale or blountburg university Uh, with 17 students, you you, you have a hard time finding anything as proud and as openly and vociferously, talkatively proud as a Notre Dame graduate. Uh, My son went there, so I know what I'm Mm -hmm. talking about. Uh, (laughs) Some some people outside of the school itself uh, think of it and often will criticize Notre Dame people as just being excessive about that kind of loyalty. But the Notre Dame people have a special kind of pride, don't they, Nori?
1: Oh, I do. I I have it as well. And when when I graduated, um the the um the speech given the commencement address was given by Cardinal Dolan mm. and he we were sitting in in the Notre Dame stadium and in walks Cardinal Dolan, larger than life, and he has a cape flapping in the breeze, and the stadium just erupts ups it just goes wild, crazy, greeting him, and he gets up and and um he's introduced, and he says it's the cape." <laughs> Everyone erupts once more. <laughs> I was like, no, and he, he, he said, you know, I tried to find out what is the secret of Notre Dame. What's the secret? Everyone is proud of Notre Dame. They're wonderful alumni, but what is it? And it wasn't until I got onto campus and I went down to the grotto, where is the Blessed Mother there? It's a a model of um, the apparition. Our Lady at Lourdes. and that, that space, that ethereal space where it's a thin space.
0: But that, there, um, you, you have to admit, Noreen, there's a level of uh, sometimes quiet resentment and sometimes resentment that's not so quiet because of exactly that kind of thing that you described to us. When the Cardinal came in, I mean, this is a rock star making an entrance— uh, mm-hmm. And it was that same kind of reaction, and some Baptist people are listening to this, uh, this internet program that goes around the world. This is an international uh, broadcast, and there's some Baptist people somewhere in the United States and elsewhere, and a Mormon family, and uh, some Lutherans, who are saying, wait a minute. No, that's like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. That's not religion. He has the costume on, uh, and the cape, and the uh, and the <laughs> the appointments and the appurtenances that go all the way up to and inclusive of the Pope in St. Peter's. Can you understand why some people just say, "Wait a minute, our minister j- sometimes just wears a golf sweater. We don't need all of that."
1: Oh. No, I think um, we don't need all that either, really. It's just, um, we use vestments as as just like wearing a crucifix or a cross. It's just, um, it kind of, it's like putting on the breastplate of St. Patrick. You know, it's, um, um, I think it just helps us to put on Christ. It doesn't mean we're, better than any anyone at all it's just it's like putting on our baptismal garment that that we we are here to be Christ for others and take on Christ and help us to remember in our daily life that that's, that's who we are called to be as Christians not better than anyone that we're to be like Christ and on our knees with a towel and a basin that's you know nothing fancy it's just a reminder you know, And, and St. Patrick himself, he he has a, a prayer. It's called the Lorica of St. Patrick or the Breastplate of St. Patrick where as you pray, it's like you're putting on Christ, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, when I lie down, when I sit down, and when I arise. Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in the eye that sees me, Christ in the ear that hears me. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through a belief in the threeness, through a confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. And putting that on, we are protected by Christ and we're reminded to bring Christ to others. We are no better. We are here to serve on our knees and give ourselves over to the Lord's work, not ours.
0: And Noreen, that's how I grew up in an Irish Catholic family. But can you understand how some folks who worship far more simply than that uh, look at some of the presentations of rituals in uh, Catholicism as being far more like show business than anything they're used to
1: i i I see what you're saying the the liturgical symbols of 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 um of a mass or or Catholic liturgy are what speak to us so we we look beyond these symbols, so these are reach out to our senses so they talk about Catholics with the smells and the bells and, you know, but this is taking our (laughs) our senses. We smell, you walk into a church, if you smell the wax burning, you smell the incense, you, you know, you, you hear the bells ring. It just, it puts, um, it communicates to you on a level through our senses that reaches what is beyond our senses. To that mystery, beyond the divine beyond our, that what our senses can take in,
0: well your father though, was certainly celebrating that change that was important to him the first Friday he got to eat a hamburger
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, so he he was part of I remember asking my dad, I said, so what did you think about Vatican II because it's still a big question right now because Vatican, the changes from Vatican II, which was to actually simplify a lot of those high mass celebrations that you're talking about, and um, and the thing that he he pointed out the most, he goes, oh, I was so happy to eat a hamburger on Friday <laughs> because <laughs> food was always big to him. <laughs> and that, of course, that, Vatican
0: II with Pope John, the 23rd, was when the language of the mass changed. Uh, and became whatever the local language was and the the priest turned around and Mm -hmm. faced the congregation things that might not necessarily mean a whole lot to non-Catholics but to us it was a a dramatic change let's talk about your father though again and the rest Mm -hmm. of your family Uh, there was one sentence that he spoke to you that I found unforgettable and I -hmm. want to have you share with our audience the reasons behind his response to you. When you called him from your new home, Mm -hmm. after you moved uh, from Mm -hmm. that small coal coal mining area in Pennsylvania, you moved to San Diego. Boy, what a Mm -hmm. transition that was. And Mm -hmm. you called him on a regular basis, and you called him one day, and you were talking about the fact that you had just accepted a position to do some missionary work in Africa and that you were going to be in Africa for a while. Isn't that exciting? And and rather than my quoting your father, what did he say to you on the phone that day?
1: Um, After I explained Africa, he said, what are you going to do there? I said, well, whatever is needed— English lessons, prison ministry. Mm. And he says, can we be your Africa? Mm. And That phrase changed my life. The world just stopped. And I just said, of course, of course, you can be my Africa. And that mountain, going to mountaintop, visiting my mother and my father became my missionary work.
0: Well he wasn't well that. then was he
1: no he he wasn't well, and I think I probably didn't quite understand how how serious it had become and he He knew and he needed help and so thanks be to God that he asked me that I was there because I think at the time my mother was in denial that anything was really going on and anything that she couldn't handle, but it it was things, as I said earlier, things were starting to unravel in Mountaintop. So I started to go back, and once a month or every month, I'd go for a visit to to kind of uh, accompany them as as um, in the sickness and the challenges. But at first, at first, my mother wasn't ready for me to to dig in and and um, take on on some of the chores and the work and. I, and so I kind of had to be careful, walk carefully, and I was more of a cruise director for the <laughs> beginning part of it. <laughs> Just to kind of go and kind of hang with them and laugh with them and do fun things. But then um, I, I was there as things unraveled more. I had already kind of inserted myself back into their life and into back into mountaintop so it was easier to be there as, as things got worse
0: Things got well dramatic. having met your parents uh, the Hollywood part of your mom's fashion sense uh, your father large, large man equally dedicated to the church uh, and his community but did their loss when finally you lost both of them Did their loss change your faith in any way? We talk to people often who have great difficulty with the loss of a family member that close, often wondering why God would take this person. What about you?
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, my faith is even stronger now. I I. I felt like it. instead of the aging and dying as a downward spiral, it was an upward spiral to God, a glimpse of heaven. I feel like the angels came and took them to heaven, and I was privileged to be a part of that. And uh, I feel e- e- even stronger. And, and, you know, the upside-down wisdom of God is that in giving, caring for them and their illness i received and that that um in dying were born to eternal life i saw that that they were there um and they were a blessing to us in so many ways just my father even though he was very ill at the end of his days he just he reached out um to us and and to my family and though there were those of, he would pray for us pray with us and you know witnessing his admin, receiving the sacraments it was just a strong, strengthening of our faith and nourishing our faith and you know do i miss him am i heartbroken absolutely absolutely and i um i guess uh, I, I look to the day that i'm with him once again and my mother and all the relatives that have gone before us. But I'm, you know, um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have been with them and accompanying them in that time.
0: Getting to know not only your mom and dad and the siblings uh, in Mountaintop, Pennsylvania, uh, (laughs) lovingly thought of as a suburb of uh, (laughs) Wilkes-Barre. When... You have introduced us to so many people in that community, so many people that were directly involved with your growth spiritually, academically, and uh, that is also true of the rest of your family. Um, I don't recall finding out while reading the book which by the way, I should tell everybody right now in case they just tuned in, A, you're late and Noreen knows a nun that will give you some extra academic work to do because you missed the first part of the show. Some Catholics are forgiven and some Catholics are forgiving and in this case, absolutely not. You missed a terrific half hour. The book is called Keep At It, Riley. Accompanying my father through death into life is the subtitle, but it's so much more than that. And uh, as I'm saying, I, I got a chance to get acquainted with so many people in and around that Pennsylvania family, but I didn't get a chance really to know your husband. Did he grow up in the same kind of devotion to Catholicism that you did?
1: Oh my goodness, that's the $64 question. So, um, no, he, um, believe it or not, Pat, I I met Peter at the Catholic University of America. We were both in undergrad together. I met him in physics class and just uh, a wonderful man, a good man. But he did not grow up in a religious home. Uh, Peter wasn't wasn't baptized. He was they they didn't celebrate any any type of religion or organizer. I I would I, you know today they're spiritual and not religious. I would say they were neither spiritual nor religious. <laughs> but <laughs> you my father Frank, <laughs> he you said to me, <laughs> go ahead.
0: No, go ahead, please. Your father Frank.
1: He says. He said, "Now, Peter's a good man. I like Peter. But really, did you have, did you have <laughs> to get engaged to the only non-Catholic at the Catholic University of America?"
0: <laughs> you couldn't have found anybody that had a, a, a more uh, completely uh, different background uh, than <laughs> than Peter. Uh, did he finally come to did he finally come to accept if not the catholic church then your catholic family
1: he did and and i really i give all the credit to my father's prayers and and I, my father prayed for peter you know for 35 years uh, on here on earth, and I'm sure after he he was in heaven, he kept on praying, and I I did too. But, um, at at night when my father was in our house, we'd pray together before we went to bed, and and he and he'd say, shake his finger to the heavens, and said, and I want my my son-in-law to turn Catholic, and you better hurry it up, Lord, because I want to see it in my lifetime, <laughs> 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 and, and, and but. But, you know, after in after my father had had um, been called home to God, about three months later, my husband said to me, you know, I'd like to be baptized. I just thought I'd fall out of my chair. I never really talked to him. It, it was just modeling the faith for him. Wow! I really think my father's modeling really had an impact on him. And it might have been that turkey
0: meatloaf, too. The turkey meatloaf. <laughs> Filled with Guinness. There's a special sauce with the meatloaf made out of Guinness. Or whatever that beverage was that you continued to order uh, at uh, various functions and establishments in mountaintop Pennsylvania. What would, did it start with a Y? why?
1: Oh, my gosh! Just the yangling you picked up on that didn't you
0: well it, because because <laughs> i I kind of take a certain amount of pride in uh terms involved with dining and beverages and so on, and yangling, even in Pennsylvania, I never heard of that
1: oh no, oh yangling, yeah, it's brute it's a it's a Pennsylvania special brew. You'll have to go next time you're going through there, have a Yangling on tap, but it yeah, it's uh, quite refreshing.
0: May That's I promise you, may I promise you Noreen right now, on my soul, Noreen Madden McGinnis, I'm telling the world right now, that if I find myself in mountaintop, Pennsylvania, I promise you the first beverage I order will be Yangling.
1: That uh, sounds good. I I think and if you give me some heads up, Pat, I'll meet you at Kavanaugh's, and we'll have a Yangling and it's on me.
0: <laughs> and in that town, by the way, it's so Catholic <clears throat> that many babies are baptized in Yangling. But that's another story <laughs> altogether. How is uh, being a lifelong Catholic made you the Noreen Madden McInnes you are today? Mm-hmm. Nobody else can answer that. Only you.
1: I think that um, you know it, it gives you uh, a sense of humor a ability to to laugh even when things are are difficult and knowing that that God is there for you and so is your family and that um, that we're strengthened and, and that we're we look forward to the day when we rejoin our our family in heaven and you know in that Irish blessing um, that is so beautiful. <clears throat> may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sunshine warm upon your face and the rain fall softly on your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. And we believe that God does hold us and that we will rejoin our family one day. That We're, we're not alone. We won't give up. We will Give it to the Lord, and we will keep at it, Riley.
0: You have a degree in theology. Was that from Notre Dame?
1: Yes, it was. Yes, I uh, was a joy to study there. At Notre the University of Notre Dame. It was a tremendous blessing.
0: Well, I'm going to uh, I'm going to ask you to do something that I rarely do with any Notre Dame graduate because the show is only an hour long. And so in discussing that campus, usually at the very mention of the school or even downtown South Bend, uh, Notre Dame graduates, including my son, tend to wax eloquently and there is no period or exclamation mark at the end of any sentence. It just goes on and on and on. Uh, But for folks who have no idea why that school seems to be so powerful and influence. I mean beyond the Ivy League folks and beyond the Big Ten schools and beyond even other Catholic schools. What is it that you continue to carry with you from that campus that is different than you found in the campuses that represent other people who have had equally impressive education standards. What is it about Notre Dame?
1: I think the secret of, of Notre Dame is is um, the Blessed Mother that, that just as she welcomed Jesus into her womb and brought Jesus to the world, we are called to do the same. And we are—we have— we are not quiet. We are not shy about spreading the word and being Catholic, being Catholic, bring bringing Christ to the world to, to do good for others. That's what we're we're shaped and we're formed on that campus to go, and to be sent to bring Christ to the world. In many ways, I think in in, in no matter what what um, you sh- no matter what you're studying, everyone uses that. to to make the world a better place, to to reach out to others and comfort others and care for others, and um, to preach the gospel at all times and, if necessary, use words. I think we're unabashedly Catholic. We bring it boldly and proudly to the world. But
0: as I mentioned to you when we were talking about the cardinal uh, visiting that parish church, Uh, in Pennsylvania and the theatrical nature of his of his vestments and his entrance and the response of the congregation uh, similarly to that how do you respond to people who say I have great respect for Roman Catholicism and all the good that's come from that and I can even put aside some of the evil that has happened uh, at the uh, hands of some of the leadership of the Church over the centuries. But still, the criticism of the Catholic Church so often among non-Catholics is that you don't have the same respect. You, as a practicing Catholic, an Irish Catholic, you don't have the same respect for other faiths because you're number one respond to that
1: well um so there's a couple of things there one is that uh you know is the catholic church perfect no um you know we are human we are human and and all humans make mistakes and certainly the church has made plenty you know um Um, Christ came to share in our humanity so that we could share in his divinity. And we have to work on that daily to to try to become more and more Christ-like. And we fail every day too. So uh, it's important to know that we are forgiven and we get up and try again. Um, And do we, you know, uh, are we number one? I think we are all one in in Christ or one in Christ or one in in humanity and i'm not here to reach out to only someone because they're christian or a catholic we just see that we're all made in the image and likeness of god and we're here for the dignity of all human beings from conception to their natural death and that we adhere to love them and help them to feed them clothe them And serve those that are without and that's our our call as christians to do that not to to be above but to be on our knees with the towel on the basin as i said earlier Mm -hmm.
0: the individual stories in keep at it riley by the way are so delightful so charming (laughs) if you'll pardon me Mm. so irish (laughs) Uh, that it is just an immensely readable book. And I have to believe that people who have never been around an Irish family in their lives would find it equally entertaining. But with only about six or seven minutes left, we talked about the leave-taking that mountaintop Pennsylvania uh, celebrated when your mom as you said, was taken to heaven by angels. Well, when it was your father's time, uh, that was an interesting period of time when you realized he had little time left, and you made a decision... You made a decision that uh, a lot of families couldn't possibly imagine themselves making. Talk about the big trip that Frank made. Oh,
1: um... Oh, when I took him from he passed away in California? And no, actually I was talking I,
0: about when when you brought him to California.
1: When he came to California. So this is really something. My my mom had had died in a car accident and my father was struggling in the hospital and I flew back from California to Mountaintop and I said, "Dad, come with us. Come move back." Um and he said, "No, I promised myself I would never be a burden to any of my children." And I said, "Dad, I can tell your Irish cuz I can't tell you anything." <laughs> and um he said <laughs> I got him there. <laughs> And he, I, I said, come, you won't be a burden, come. I took a lot of prayers, uh, but he changed his mind. And then, and then all of a sudden it's like, uh-oh, how am I going to get him there? <laughs> because he he couldn't walk. He wouldn't be able to fly in a commercial plane. I'm like, oh, Lord, now what have I done? So we ended up, I said, how about a, a medevac plane? And he goes, wait, how big are those planes? I said, well, those are little Cessnas. He goes, you know what they call those? They call those flying coffins. I'm not getting in there. Now, this is the man that didn't have long to live. Like, okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so What then was, I your, what was your second
0: choice then, Noreen?
1: Um, it was. It's called this med coach. It was like a little RV that the, the McDonald twins, one drove, one slept. You'd fit Frank in there, load up his stuff, and they drove <laughs> straight from wilkes down to San Diego. It was like 52 hours straight, no stopping, all the way. And uh, we prayed him the whole way to our door. Well, it that could be
0: fatal for someone who wasn't even sick.
1: Right. Oh, right. Absolutely. But I was like, well, he's like St. Brendan, the navigator going on our territories, uncharted, going out to find the promised land. And so we prayed St. Brendan to navigate him straight to our door. And it was a miracle. He made it. He came just before Christmas. And that was he was the best Christmas present ever. It was just. Wonderful to have him in our
0: home. Well, throughout that extraordinary trip, thousands of miles from one coast virtually <laughs> to the other, here's a man who was at death's door when he started the trip. And I'm reading this in the book, Keep At It Riley, and thinking, well, there's an example of keeping at it. Because uh, there's no way that he was going to give up the ghost before he got to the Pacific.
1: No, he, it was against medical advice. His doctor said, no, I can't, I can't give you, you know, uh, agree to sign the papers for him to go. And I said, oh, you don't know my father. <laughs> you don't know my father. He believes in, keep that at it, Riley. And this is just one more example that he just, he's, he's not done yet. He wants to come. Every doctor everywhere
0: in the world that is listening to this broadcast right now, if he's ever had an Irish Catholic patient, <laughs> you understand that the whole idea of what you just said, that it was against medical advice, <laughs> but he was going to do it his way anyway. Listen, he with just a couple way. of minutes, just a couple of minutes, left, uh, because this, you know, we're talking about St. Patrick's week, and I, and I didn't want to get a Catholic Monsignor on, I didn't want to get, I wanted to get on somebody who was really very, very active in her parish in the one in San Diego. And as you grew up in Mountaintop, Pennsylvania, but what about your kids? Will they keep the faith? How do they feel about your interpretation of Roman Catholicism?
1: Oh, I'm sorry to say they're not weekly mass goers. I believe they have, have it in their hearts, and they grew up with it. And they they look at me and they say, oh, yeah, that's my mom. That's what she does. But I know it's deep within them as well. And I I pray that, that when maybe when it's when I'm called home, when the angels come to take me, that they will... They will find the comfort in all the the funeral rituals, and they will find they will be by my bedside when I ask for the anointing of the sick, and that 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 will be that will revive in them that spirituality, the Celtic spirituality, will come to life, and they will come back to the church. So we still need to stay strong and witness for our young people, even though it may not may not be part of their weekly. Routine ritual at this point,
0: but I does it hurt pray you? for them. Does it hurt you to say that?
1: Uh, yeah. Well, I wasn't perfect all my life either, so I have to trust that the God and is calling their hearts and tugging on their heart, and that God will win out in the end.
0: Listen, Noreen Madden. McGinnis, just make sure one of the kids. How old are they now? Thirty-four,
1: thirty-two, and twenty-five. Well,
0: sure. You no know, perfect age, though, for you to assign uh, different responsibilities and make sure you pick the right one to pick out your clothing for <laughs> for the ritual that you and your mom went through, right? You know exactly what I mean. And if you don't know, listening to The God Show right now, you'll just have to find out in the book, and then you'll find out how it is that if you continue to really work hard at everything, you'll keep at it, Riley. This is Pat McMahon on The God Show.